0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Jaguar Report podcast. i joined once again by my co-host Gus Log. Gus, how you doing, man?
1: I'm good, John. i excited about the off season. There's going to be a lot of change. It's going to be, as we've said before, the 2020 season was pretty forgettable, but it's going to be huge for the future for the Jacksonville. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, no, I, that forgettable is a, a perfect way to put it. I mean, just... It, it was kind of quietly, like the most quiet one in fifteen, like almost completely winless season of all time. Because I I, I, feel, I feel like it's even being undersold that this team really went one and fifteen. You know, for the first time ever. Like it, it's it's not the worst Jaguars team I've ever seen in terms of on field performance. But if you're judging just win and losses, which is is basically the parameter, uh, they're they're the worst of all time.
1: Yeah, it was that was a good point. I was thinking about that too. It's interesting how like. They were obviously one loss or one win away from being 0-16 and having a defeated season or whatever you want to call it. And so it's just kind of funny that they won the first game of the season. And then after that, obviously, you don't have to worry about going 0-16. And on the Jets, the other hand, like halfway through the season, almost everyone just kind of expected them to go 0-16. So it was just kind of funny how that shaked out.
0: I was going to say, I feel like the Jets – did it in such a more painful way for their fans. Like, obviously, <laughs> yeah. neither, neither fan base had a fun 2020 season. But, man, the Jets going 0-13 in the first place, they at least, like, kind of teased that, okay, we can at least, you know, lose right, and then they win a couple meaningless games that ultimately meant absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, I, I'm happy for the players and everything that right. you know, escaped to win the season. But in the grand view – those games mean as much as anything I did today. You know, I mean, they, they did <laughs> nothing, than winning that. But then the Jaguars, you know, they get the week one win, and at least, you know, in week two, they close loss, and the fans are excited for two weeks before everything kind of went downhill.
1: Yeah, 100%. I remember everyone was excited. I mean, the Titans game was kind of chalked up as a moral victory, even though the Jags it lost was. that week two it game. Was. They still had a strong performance. And then um, it was really just the – or the Thursday night football game against the Dolphins, and I want to say that was week five. But after that game, the Jaguars got embarrassed, and everyone was like, all right, Minchu's not it. Let's look ahead to the future. And that uh, well, was kind of the turning point.
0: Once they lost to the Bengals, uh, that's when my entire potential, like, thoughts on them being at least an okay team went out the window. I think that was week right. four, because they lost to the Dolphins, I think, in week three. And I think week four, either week four or week five was the Bengals. And that's when I just completely was like, Okay, this team is not gonna be good because I mean, they, they they've made up like a one sixth of Zach Taylor's career wins as head coach. <laughs> <laughs> for that just for that single loss.
1: Yeah, go Jaguars. Yeah, you're right. The Dolphins was week three, but it was funny how quickly it turned, changed around. And the first our the first three or four weeks of the Jaguars season was almost similar to the last three or four weeks of the Jets season. They kinda of flip flopped. Yeah.
0: No, I, I, absolutely. I mean, like Ray says it's like two seasons that were objective failures. I mean, the Jaguars are, you know, kind of, of course, getting the better end of that failure because theirs is getting them Trevor Lawrence. But, I mean, the the Jets, I mean, landing Justin Fields isn't really the worst consolation prize either. So, tough seasons for both of them. But uh, the the Jaguars made it official that they were actually going to move forward with change. uh, On Monday, they fired Doug Marone after four-plus years as head coach. I know people kept kind of questioning if he would actually get fired for – for some reason, the national like media perception was that the Jaguars had yet to make a decision. And it to me, it just always was trending like he he was gone. i i I never believed for a second that there was a chance that he would remain in place. And I think Shad Khan, making the move as quickly as he did because I mean it it was it was around nine o'clock Monday morning you know that it got announced so it's not like it's a decision he really kind of waited and hold his options over so I mean just give me your reactions to uh uh shot making the move to fire Doug because while it kind of looked obvious from our point of view uh it's still significant for him to do because it kind of represents a complete reset
1: yeah as you said it was like pretty swift and so it happened just just over 12 hours after the Week 17 game ended. And so at, we've said on the pod before, mostly you, honestly, about how it would be expected to have him kind of finish out the season and then be gone. Um, <laughs> and then I love that Schefter tweet from a few weeks ago where it was like Doug Marone has had some strong performances against the Vikings and the Steelers and stuff like that, which they was
0: – They after that tweet. I, I, think, I think they had four games left when – like, that report came out that he could potentially return on the yeah, And in those four games, I mean, it was some of their worst losses. Like, they got destroyed after that.
1: Yeah, so it was unsurprising, but at the same time, it was relieving. And so it's kind of similar to Trevor Lawrence, who just announced he's officially declaring for the draft this morning. Um, so now there's a very, very, like, 99% chance or whatever that he's getting drafted first overall by the Jaguars. But you kind of have to wait for it to actually happen. And once it does happen on April 29th, there'll be a little bit of a relief more than anything at that point. And so I think that's kind of what the Marone firing was. And like, to give him credit. Cause I mean, he had the 2017 season under his belt. And even though Jackson went one fifteen this season, it was obvious that they weren't tanking and that they were playing hard for the entire season. They were just so, bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, bad.
0: yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. Like, it, it wasn't anything I was surprised by. Uh, you know, it, it really like, – like, you know, we had been saying, seemed like, okay, he's going to stick through the rest of the season because I, I don't even think he really got fired for them thinking, okay, you're a bad coach, you did a bad job. It's just the results kind of speak for themselves. And in the position that they're in, they couldn't really justify bringing him back. Maybe if they didn't have the top overall pick and weren't, like, the prime destination in terms of, you know, a coach and GM opportunity. Maybe right. that wouldn't be as true. But, I mean, when, when when you're just, like, sitting in that kind of position, uh, I think Khan even kind of said it the other day, you can't really justify bringing them back in their situation. And I, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, Khan said that he didn't have any regrets about bringing uh, Marone or Caldwell back in 2020 because, I mean, he essentially said, you know, what you and I have kind of been saying is that that team was in serious trouble just in terms of both the cap and kind of this, the dysfunction going on. And I, I believe he said, uh, you know, why not have the people who helped create the mess try to clean it? And I mean, I, I think there was actual credence to that. And I, but I was still, it, it was kind of refreshing honesty to see from him to at least say, we kind of used this year to see if these guys could fix what they messed up.
1: Yeah. I mean, Caldwell kind of did it to an extent. He did. Um, and even Marone, like, like we said, like some, it appeared that some teams weren't necessarily trying their hardest on like Sunday night, especially. Um, But, like, even, ever since last summer, it was kind of just didn't make sense that the Jaguars were going to be tanking because the players and the coaches were all, like, playing for their jobs and wanted to win. Yeah, exactly. And that was apparent. And it was made apparent by, like, the Jets victories as well. And so, I don't know. Like, Week 17 is always a little bit iffy. But throughout the season, the Jaguars, like we said, were clearly trying to win. Yeah. And so, you got to give them credit. And then Caldwell credit as well for, I mean, obviously the – Yannick trade and the Calais trade and the Bouye trade and all that stuff didn't put them in a position to win in 2020 but that's I mean pretty great for the future in terms of like everyone bragging about the draft capital and resources and stuff like that
0: yeah no absolutely and I I think the big thing is
1: this is just me assuming
0: uh, I'm not obviously not reporting anything but it just kind of feels like Caldwell was brought back with the mandate of Okay, you can be the general manager and get one more swing at this, but you have to fix the cap issues. You go, I mean, Con, Con even he he described it as salary cap hell the other day, which again, <laughs> like it it was, it his 25 minute press conference was probably the most revealing Jaguars press conference in in like the two years that at least I've been covering the team. Like, obviously the Jalen Ramsey debacle of a press conference and then that weird Tom Coughlin one were memorable, but you didn't learn anything from either one of them other than you know, Jalen Ramsey and Tom Coughlin are both very uh, emotional <laughs> volatile people, <laughs> but at, at least with this one. Like, I, I, I learned a good bit, honestly, about the team. You know, I mean, Con acknowledged that, hey, we were in salary cap l last year, and I think that's something people kind of forget is they looked at them stripping down the roster as something that they were doing to actively be worse, but it was something that they kind of had to do, you know?
1: Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, short-term losses for – um long-term success or whatever the term is and so if you can it's possible to do that without tanking and the Jaguars yeah, did that
0: de- definitely it just it, it probably stinks for those in charge that they're going to reap literally zero of the benefits but you know I mean that's that's like in the NFL I mean when you go 12 and 36 over three seasons there's there's just no justification in, you know, returning. I mean, that's that's Gus Bradley levels of uh, bad football in the last two seasons. So, I never felt like Doug Marone was the problem for the Jaguars. Like, e- even this year where, you know, they took Coughlin out of the equation and obviously Marone had more sway. I still didn't feel like he specifically was a problem. Uh, I'm not sure he gave them a big advantage in any way. But I will say I feel like the Jaguars, as far as dysfunctional, as they were the last couple of years, I think it could have been significantly worse if he was not steadying the ship during all the Coughlin mess, because I feel like that could have been a legitimate mutiny in the locker room if they didn't have a strong voice at head coach. So I will give 100%. him credit for that, but otherwise, it, it was a move that I thought had to be made.
1: Yeah. As we've kind of said, it's he, Marone wasn't the problem or the solution. And so he kind of just couldn't sit in that stagnant phase. And so with the fact that, the Jaguars have the number one overall pick in all of these resources, cap room, et cetera, et cetera. It makes sense to kind of go with a fresh face for the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just after four-plus years, I mean, how how would you really uh, remember the Doug Marone era? Because, I mean, I, I, of course, I buy <laughs> I mean, I...
1: What? I'm sorry. I thought you said the Doug Marone era and I heard the Doug Marone era, but I know that's not what you said. No, not at all.
0: No, no, no. Doug Marone era. E-R-A. No. You're a bad person. No, no. The Doug Marone era. I mean, just how will you remember his tenure as head coach? Because um, he, he was basically for around as long as, you know, say Gus Bradley was. He was around longer than Marlarkey, So I think he's the third longest tenured head coach in team history. Just, I mean, how will you remember really his tenure?
1: Yeah, I think you gotta remember him by the bookends. I mean, I said that this past season was forgettable, but at the same time I think Jaguars fans and Jaguars media will kind of not really forget it, just in the fact that they know how important it was for the next decade of play in Jacksonville. And so and then obviously in twenty seventeen he took the team to the their second AFC championship berth. Um and so it's just <laughs> I mean it's very It's a very high scale and low scale in terms of success, but it's just two very important seasons and two very big seasons. So I think 2017-2020 is kind of how he'll be remembered with 2018-19 kind of being underwhelming and kind of not living up to the hype that there was after the 2017 season and then after Nick Foles was signed. Even though, I mean, I know you didn't love that signing, and I didn't love the – It was um, a horrific
0: signing. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say like, I I definitely didn't love like the financial aspect of it. Cause he was d- definitely overpaid, but I was just excited for the team to have someone that knew how to throw a spiral, but I guess it didn't actually end up happening. So that was uh, my mistake for not seeing that. Right. It's the standards, my now, friend now, hopefully in um, September or August or whenever there will be someone that knows how to throw a spiral as showcasing the sugar bowl. So
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, I I definitely agree with you. I mean, like you said, you got to look at the good things he did. I mean, obviously, the 2017, uh, they were helped out a lot by their schedule and the lack of dominant quarterbacks they played. But I mean, he pushed all the right buttons on a team that had some wild, like a wild mix of personalities, you know? And I mean, if you get to the AFC Championship or play Portals as your quarterback, I mean, that's, I'm sorry, that's impressive no matter which way you put it because they won their two playoff games different ways. They won one in a, you know, kind of a slugfest against Buffalo. And then the other was probably the best coaching uh, job that Marone and that entire staff had ever done, you know, against Pittsburgh, putting 40 something points on Pittsburgh with Bortles at quarterback. I I think you obviously have to remember that. But then on the flip side, 12 and 36 and just, you know, not being able to figure, like not being able to stop the bleeding at any real position. Uh, I I put it on Twitter and wrote it in, in an article, but I'll remember his tenure as uh, having problems at the quarterback position, which isn't so much his fault. You know, he didn't have personnel power. Uh, He probably should have – I'll say the one thing that was his fault is when he took the job, he should have kicked and screamed and said Blake Bortles, like, can't be our starter next year because, I mean, he was in Jacksonville for two years. I mean, he knew what kind of quarterback Blake was. He was part of the coaching staff. So he should have said in 2017 – uh I'll I'll take this job, but we must take a quarterback. So I'll I'll he should take blame for that. But otherwise, I mean he was saddled with Bortles, Foles, Minshew, Mike Glennon. I mean he just never had a quarterback that was really a winning one. And then the other part is I, I think I'll remember his tenure by just being too loyal to Todd Walsh in that defensive scheme. It, it it just always kind of struck me that, you know, he isn't even who hired Walsh to come to Jacksonville, but He he stayed loyal to him and that scheme, even though I think you could have justified firing him after a 2018 season. And uh, I understand, I guess, why they didn't, because the defense was still kind of solid. But there was no reason to keep him after the 2019 season. So those are really my big takeaways from his tenure.
1: Yeah, for the Bortles thing, like, I agree. And Bortles was never a good quarterback. At the same time, they were 3-13 in 2016. So it's not like anyone really saw, including people in Jacksonville, solid that 2017 coming up from nowhere and so yeah and then you're right I mean I think he's the second no third most winning coach in franchise history so would you put him ahead or behind of Del Rio assuming that Coughlin's won
0: I put him behind Del Rio because Del Rio at least had kind of sustained like I don't think you want to call it sustained success because he never got as far as Marone did, but right they had more, they, they were closer to being a competitive team for longer stretches than under Marone. I mean, Marone really like only 25, 75% of his tenure was as bad as Gus Bradley. So I, I, right. I'd i put him ahead of Gus Bradley for sure, but I'd put him a little bit behind Del Rio and mm-hmm. then Coughlin's obviously still number one.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Del Rio has two playoff bursts compared to Marone's one. And yeah. like you said, I think it was a little bit more sustained success versus just and I, I was going even, to even, one season.
0: Even the years they didn't go to the playoffs, I mean, they were more competitive in, like, their bad years with Del Rio than they, you know, were yeah. with Marone. I mean, Marone's second-best season was six and ten. For sure. Agreed. But but I, I, I guess the question is, who, who's the worst, Gus Bradley or Mike Malarkey? That's a tough one because one was around for four years and didn't win anything, and then one was only around for one year. And didn't win anything, and he was so hated that he almost made Mercedes Lewis retire. And Mercedes Lewis is like the nicest person in the world.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm biased, but I'll say uh, Malarkey. But that's only because I can't I can't put down someone with uh, the same name as me.
0: What are you biased about? Oh God, God. <laughs>
1: clearly, God.
0: For yeah, I was trying to figure out in my head. I was like, what could you possibly be biased about? <laughs> like, are you neighbors? Are you neighbors of the Malarkeys?
1: No, <laughs> don't well, know. Yeah,
0: no, I, I, I I'm, I, I, I think that's probably the right way to order it. Coughlin, big gap, Del Rio, and then Marone probably right behind him, and then right whatever size gap you want. And Bradley, <laughs> Bradley, Marley, it can't be
1: that big of a gap since they were all not that good. Big enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean,
0: uh no, it's a pretty big gap. I mean, yeah. Marone almost won as many games in his first year. If you if you count the playoffs, he. Won twelve games his first year as head coach, and I think Bradley won fourteen games in his entire tenure. Really? <laughs> yeah. No. Brad, Brad, Bradley. Won oh, you're 14 right. and forty-two. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's ugly. All uh, right. Well, Malarkey's win percentage I'm looking at it now was twelve point five percent, and Bradley's was twenty-two point six percent. So there yeah. you go. Yeah,
0: there you go. See, see, Gus Bradley won seven times as many games. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I. I I think, like you know, we're kind of we've been in agreement on this whole thing that it was, you know, kind of bound to happen, and I don't think anybody was surprised to see him kind of fired. But that kind of leads us to our next step, and uh, we'll go over Shad Khan's presser more in a little bit. But obviously, the next important hire for the Jaguars is head coach, and it just seems to me, right now, not that they've indicated it in any way, and maybe I'm reading too much into things, but it seems to me like the head coach search is more important to them than general manager search. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, obviously they've been reviewing candidates for both parties, but or for both positions, but based on kind of their actions so far, it definitely seems like it. But it's kind of, it'll be interesting to see just because of all the Urban Meyer rumors flying around, it seems like he's kind of at the top of their list. And so I think like the general manager position and even hiring would be different if Urban was hired versus someone like Joe Brady or even Brian Dable. And so kind of seeing the impact that the general manager position has or who's hired for that based on who's hired as head coach will be interesting for sure. Want to
0: make your own podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then lets you distribute it everywhere and anywhere, and even earn money right from it. And it's all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here is how it works. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, no matter where you're at, you can start creating today. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I guess I'm glad you mentioned Brady, actually. I'm going to go ahead and give uh, instituting a new rule that we can use our hot take of the week at any point during the show. We don't have to <laughs> You've wait for the early hot... <laughs> Yeah, You've been know, doing hot
1: takes early, like for the past two episodes.
0: I mean, when it's pertinent, why wait? Okay. <laughs> All right, new rule, though. Make it okay, official. Yeah, new, why not? Okay, uh, new rule. <laughs> uh, my hot take of the week is I do not think they should even – actually, I'll take that back. They should interview him, but I don't think they should even consider Joe Brady to be their next head coach. just just, because lack
1: of experience
0: yeah for as talented as he is it's just he's only been in in a even a coordinator for one year you know i mean that that would be wild to me to kind of gift this golden goose to somebody who we really have no idea like kind of how good he is and i I think he's going to be a good coach it's just i'm not sure it's kind of right timing
1: yeah no i think it makes sense for both parties both for franchises who want a new head coach and also for Brady to kind of just let him sit in Carolina especially because it would be interesting if like I don't know what Carolina's quarterback situation is this year like I don't know if they're gonna like trade up for a quarterback or like sit with Bridgewater for another year or really what's gonna happen but it would be interesting to see him work with kind of a young quarterback or even Bridgewater for another season regardless I think the quarterback situation is interesting for the Panthers and so seeing seeing what he does with that for more than just one season where the Panthers were expected to be probably a bottom three team in the league. I feel yeah. like in the past or last off season, it was them and the Jets, and the Jaguars that were kind of projected at all the bottom, of the mock drafts, getting the quarterbacks. So I I would be interesting to see what he does in Carolina for another year or two or three. And I mean, I agree with you. A hot, yeah. A hot take would be don't even interview him. Yeah.
0: I, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a hot take to say, don't even consider him because I, he he's been a popular name, at least, kind of among the fan base and on social media just because he's kind of that next, like, Sean McVay, Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury, <laughs> actually good type guy.
1: Yeah. It'll, it's like, it'll be interesting to see or hear, I mean, it's interesting to hear, like, what the difference is between who fans want and who people on the Bird app want versus, like, actual NFL executives and stuff like that. I was going to say of where, And kind of where, like, the opinions differ. Because obviously, like, I feel like if, like if you just ask a random person from Twitter who they want to like run their team, they would be, say like Joe Brady and Dano Jeremiah, just because those are like the two names that kind of pop up most, even if it doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree with that completely. And God, I was not, I'm I'm not <laughs> comment on what kind of scenario that. I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, yeah. I mean, just I mean overall, who who do you, I know? We've talked about it in this space a little bit, but just I mean who 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 do you think is kind of the ideal fit for the Jaguars next head coach uh, i i listed six names on the site yesterday those are those are the six names that i think uh would all if they hired them i think would be uh you know good hires and it was urban uh, dabble uh, b enemy robert saley uh marvin lewis and then arthur smith
1: yeah i would say i mean if i have to pick anyone other than Sean McVay's quarterback coach um, it would just be <laughs> another. I mean, it's looking pretty likely that Urban's gonna be the head coach at this point, although certainly nothing's official. But I, it's just I, hard,
0: it's, it's hard for me to ever be confident in anything that involves Urban Meyer. It's, it's just with how he, he is, dude. I'm not gonna believe he's their head coach until, until like I see it with my own eyes. I, it, it's Urban Meyer. Like, I, I, I think he really, he's just a hard guy to peg,
1: right? So for me, I would say like Dable and, um, be enemy are kind of like in a chair of their own for like who I would kind of pick just because they're um young offensive guys who have gotten like raving reviews from players and coaches alike and so I think either of those would be super strong and great to pair with Trevor Lawrence for the next how many other years um and then after that it's kind of just everyone else for me I just really want one of those two at the top but I think you made a good point in the article about Marvin Lewis I think he would make a better fit for someone who's like still kind of bridging towards the future almost because I feel like he's almost like Marone where he's not the problem or the solution but he's just kind of there and a solid coach um, and then I'm surprised he didn't or not maybe not surprised but I, I almost would rather have Staley than Salah just because Salah's success came from like one season and one thing I hate is that how everyone is like oh well the enemy is probably not that great because he has Patrick Mahomes and he has Travis Kelsey and he has Tyreek Hill and he has um Andy Reed, but like at the same time, Robert Salah has Kyle Shanahan and D Ford and Nick Bosa and Richard Sherman and all of those awesome players. And the Niners defense has only really been great for one season, which is 2019, when they had a bunch of healthy like pro bowlers and Fred Warner and all of those guys. And so I just think that the, the enemy talk about how like his sporting cast is like fair but also just like very overblown. No, and So, I, th- I think you can make kind of, like, almost a similar argument about Salah, which is I, what, part of the reason I think that, like, Staley is so interesting is because, like, obviously he has Ramsey and Donald and awesome players, but also, like, no one really expected them to be this good on defense. I was going to say,
0: he uses them and, like, better, like, I feel like anybody could get those pair of players and, like, have some success, but he maximizes what they can do. But I, I, I would definitely agree with you on that Salah and the enemy point. That's actually a really good point that I haven't heard anybody really make, but my counter would be last, at the end of last year when he was, like, first getting talked as, like, a big head coach candidate and it looked like Marone might be getting fired. I, I was in the same boat. I was like, I don't really think it makes sense to hire this guy after one impressive season when he has a stacked defense. But 2020 made me a believer because no defense was hit by injuries, even Jacksonville's, harder than San Francisco's. I mean, all the players you mentioned, none of them really played this year. D. Ford was hurt all year. Nick Bosa was hurt all year. Richard Sherman was hurt all year. Uh, They traded, you know, they traded DeForest Buckner. That defense had nobody on it all year. And they weren't elite like they were last year, but they were top seven in pretty much every metric. And they were number six in defensive DVOA this year. And just the fact that he did that with completely minimal pieces. And, I mean, their defense was just as battered, if not more, than their offense. But the defense was much more impressive than Kyle Shanahan's unit. So this past year made me a believer in him, and I, 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 w- I will say I was a skeptic coming into the year, but just kind of seeing what he did with kind of really death pieces. I mean, Jason Barrett was one of the best cornerbacks in the
1: NFL this year. You know, he was a starting yeah. runner. So yeah.
0: I, I, I was just really impressed. I was, I think I was more impressed by his work this year than last year.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. That's a solid take. And like, obviously, he's a great candidate, and he's like, he's gotten raving reviews from people, including Sherman who doesn't always give out great reviews to head coaches.
0: I was going to say, I feel like he'd be honest.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and so, like, he's, like, maybe the best, like, quote-unquote leader candidate of any of the head coaches available or head coach candidates available or whatever. Um, But, yeah, maybe I'm just a little scared off by the idea of another Seattle cover three head coach. Oh, no,
0: and and I, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think because of that, he'd probably be a tougher sell on the fans. And, I mean, just the fact that he's not an offensive guy, uh, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, in the article for as much as we're talking about Trevor Lawrence and getting an offensive guy in here, the Jaguars still need a major overall in the defense. So, say they hire Dable will be in need a They need a slam dunk hire and defensive coordinator. Well, for as much as, I, as I'm as i confident that Sala would turn around their defense, I think he's the top candidate to fix their defense. He would need as equally strong as a hired offensive coordinator. So, I think who these guys can bring on – as their staff is the most important factor kind of in this mm-hmm. and I think those two really appealing things about Urban Meyer and Marvin Lewis it's that you know they can build good staffs I mean Marvin Lewis his Cincinnati staff I mean how many head coaches did that, did that spawn you know it's, it's multiple
1: yeah it'll be interesting I mean for regardless of who ends up actually being the head coach it's gonna be a lot of fun seeing who the actual coordinators are on both sides but yeah that's my whole thing about the like offensive coach for mm-hmm. head coach is that like even if Sala is a great head coach, then like, great, the but like then you might have offense coordinators that leave every two years, which isn't ideal for your generational quarterback prospect. That's a good so point. That's the only thing. But oh, that, that, that's it sounded really like Sean agreed, right? It he
0: that's <laughs> the way he thought. It was like he 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 kept referencing like the fact that they either are about to have or already have like our franchise quarterback in the building. And I'm like, he, he's ready to turn that card in now. That, like it, it, anybody that is guessing anything other than Trevor Lawrence is just overthinking it because he just sounded like he, he was ready to welcome him with open arms to, to TIA Bankfield like on, on Monday. Like he, he sounded like somebody who had just drafted his quarterback as opposed to somebody who was like four months away from it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, um, like we said, the um, Twitter video or whatever you want to call it, of Trevor Lawrence came out this morning saying he's declaring for the draft. And so it's, I mean, pretty much a done deal, which thank goodness he didn't like, I mean, I don't know how many people really draw their decisions, but thank goodness it wasn't another week or two. And we'd have to bear with the takes on Twitter about how he might not want to come to Jacksonville or any of that BS. I I was going to say, I feel like, I feel like if there's any chance of him not wanting
0: to play in Jacksonville, it would have come up by now with him kind of, his declaration coming up, I feel like we would have gotten some kind of symbol or sign of that. I, I'm not sure he'd be so confident in declaring for the draft if he wasn't okay with playing with whoever picks him.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah
0: 100%. Yeah, so now I'm, I I never understood anybody that, that posed the question of what if he doesn't declare just because it always seemed so obvious that he was going to. I mean, the, the dude had nothing to accomplish anymore. Like, sure, he, he, he undoubtedly would have loved to win another national title, but you already won one, you know I mean? What's <laughs> <I mean>, enough? <laughs> go to the league. His stock's not going to be any higher. I mean, the only thing that can happen to him is bad things. You know, maybe he, maybe he would get hurt the next year. Maybe he wouldn't play as well and his stock would go down. So, just, just leave while your stock is high.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it's, he'd be missing out on millions of dollars if he didn't declare now, which is kind of the big thing. And as you said, it's a good point. His stock, like, I don't, I don't think it can get any higher. I mean, <laughs> the, the only thing that can happen to it is for it to get lower. You know, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. so I he mean, didn't just, win a Heisman. I was gonna say that's the one thing he didn't do. But I was cares? surprised.
0: I was surprised he came second in voting. Honestly,
1: yeah. I mean, come on, that was a little ludicrous. Well,
0: here he comes. Here, <laughs> here comes the Kyle Trask <laughs> okay, truther. Let's hear it, Gus. I'm
1: not even the Kyle Trask truther. Actually, my like friends yeah, at Florida are, are all because my friends that Florida are all mad at me because I don't think Kyle Trask is that good. But I will say that the um, the Gators were. Kyle Pitts being healthy for the entire season, that away from a Kyle Trask Heisman and a number two seed in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, Because they, w- they
1: lost the LSU game, Pitts didn't play didn't, at all. If they A&M didn't lose the LSU game.
0: Yeah. If they didn't lose the LSU game, I feel like Trask would have had a way better He was shot.
1: hurt for A&M too, though. He, like he, they could have had an undefeated season, especially because they beat Georgia too. <laughs> you don't they think couldn't they, couldn't, they couldn't have beat A&M. They barely lost his... Ugh. It
0: was I, bad. I, I think Florida was a solid team this year, but no, nah, I that I I never saw an
1: undefeated team. I just like meant, that, I I didn't mean undefeated through the championship because Bama is a different beast. I no, just yeah, mean,
0: no, no, I, I I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah, I Undefeated mean, best, like, until it, um, the SEC championship. And I, I feel like if they did that, I feel like Trash would have won. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I'd agree with you there. I'd agree with
1: you. So there. it's I, unfortunate,
0: but I, I was I was surprised he came in came in fourth. I th- I thought I thought it was gonna be Devonta, Mac Jones, Trask, then Lawrence.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that's I, fair.
0: Lauren, Lawrence at two kind of felt like a lifetime achievement type thing.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But, I've I've seen a lot of people playing Trask at two on their own personal ones, which like I understand, but I don't know. I think Jones is probably two. Yeah, like
0: you I said, I did too. I mean, I, I saw Ian Book get more votes than Kyle, than uh, Kyle, right? Pitt's and that that how was how ridiculous was that? That was horrific. Yeah. But I'm uh, <laughs> getting off, off topic on that point. But for our for the silver medal of this year's silver medalists of this year's Heisman Trophy winner, obviously the Jaguars going to base their off season around. Uh, we've kind of talked about which head coaches we think make the most sense, and we'll get into the other side here. But just real quick, give me a prediction of who you think they hired because it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, like, say we waited seven days to record another podcast because we normally record on Wednesdays. It wouldn't surprise me if like, this time next week to have the new head coach. So, so just since we're here now, go ahead and give me your prediction on who the next head coach will be.
1: Uh, I got to say Urban, just because of, like, various reports from various types of people. um, It just seems very likely. I think – I mean, I don't know. The real question, I feel like, is – I mean, unless you have a different prediction for, like, who's leading the list right now, I'd be more interested, like, who's, like, the second on the list in case Urban, because apparently he's interested in – taking the Chargers job if Urban ends up accepting that instead but I mean long story short i would i would put money on Urban right now you who who would you hire would you hire Urban um I wouldn't not hire Urban but I would <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> I would put him behind as I said Biennemi and Dable would be my top two
0: yeah yeah I I, I think they definitely like him because he's like I said that CEO program builder type my prediction is gonna be Dable. I, I, I Dable, Dable. I, I, I don't care until until they hire him. I'll I think it's it Dable. Then, but, okay, cool. But we don't care. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I really think it's gonna be him, just because I think he's g- gonna meet every possible metric, uh, every possible kind of thing that they have. I, I love me. I think he's gonna be a really good coach. But the only like kind of thing that D- Dable has got over him in my eyes is that. He is like, you know, Buffalo's offense. You know, he is the play caller. He creates a scheme. and that's nothing to take away from the enemy. But Jaguars at least know one of those guys has that experience, you know. For and sure. I, I I'm gonna predict him just because like I said earlier, it it where there's smoke, there's normally fire with Urban Meyer. And it definitely appears like even though Shad Khan uh dismissed it the other day and, you know, denied it, it definitely appears that, you know, at least From the rumor mill uh, that we're seeing play out through the media, that Urban's probably their choice. It's just, it. I feel like every year, like this happens. You know, like the talk of him either going to the NFL or like to another big college job. This never heated up like this though. Yeah, it's never heated up like this. It's just, I, I I can't, I, I can't, I can't trust in him actually doing something. You'll believe it
1: when you see it. I get it. Yeah,
0: no, that's what it is, and I, I just feel like it's more likely that they just go ahead and hire Dable
1: yeah I like that though Sick into your guns you've had that prediction for a couple of weeks so yeah that'd be cool that, if up with, out. with that
0: said, I think one of those two guys will be the next head coach if It's not dabble I think it'll be urban gotcha so I, yeah. I i I think we can agree that one of those two guys will, will be in if if not i'll be a little i'll be a little surprised
1: yeah, but only listen to us if we're right
0: oh absolutely i mean if you are listening to us when we're wrong and what are you what are you listening to, listening to times. um that that kind of leads me into you know my, my next uh segue uh you know we mentioned it briefly but Shad khan had a 25 minute press conference on monday uh after firing doug marone uh marone was originally supposed to have a press conference at 9 a.m and then the jaguar said presser moved to 10 30 and then doug obviously got fired so Shad handled the presser and i i thought he was really honest with his answers perhaps I'm not going to say too honest, but, I mean, he was very revealing, you know, with his answers. And I I came away with some, like, major new, like, revelations and opinions. I mean, did did you get a chance to watch it in a, in its entirety?
1: Not in its entirety. I saw clips. I mean, the main things I came away with was he wants an offensive guy, which just warmed my heart, and that to lock in Lawrence at one, which, I mean, it's obvious. And the other thing is just kind of getting more involved, which I think a lot of people took the wrong way and you can talk about him more since you you were there yeah. and I wasn't, but the fact that he's kind of like, as you said, reversing his ownership strategy and like kind of not just wanting to be a part of the conversations more than anything else. It's kind of just sitting in the shadows, which yeah, a lot of fans seem to kind of dis- not despise, but not like.
0: well, so- Social media took it as, you know, him trying to become Jerry Jones and trying to, okay, he's going to decide who the swing tackle and their number three tight end are, but you know, that that, that, yeah. that, was, that wasn't the case at all. But then again, that's the Jaguars' fault for not streaming the press conference so everybody could see what he meant. So not going to, you know, defend them in that, in that sense. But definitely got the sense that he was much more talking about, okay, I have been too detached or too out of the loop, and I want to at least be a voice in the discussions now as opposed to being voiceless. So it more so seemed like he was saying that he's going to be at the normal involvement level of an NFL owner. <laughs> as opposed as opposed to his kind of detached status, which, frankly, is un like not normal for you know a successful NFL owner to kind of be so detached from the franchise and kind of just let you know your football people run it. Because I mean, I wrote a column this morning that you know, Tom Coughlin made the bad moves, Dave Caldwell made bad picks, but Chad hired him and enabled him, so it kind of all lays at his feet.
1: For sure, yeah. I mean, it- People were understandably upset when he said after twenty eighteen or whatever it was maybe twenty nineteen that they were kind of winning is our priority, and then he kept around wash and Caldwell and Marone for so long, but now it seems like he's getting putting his foot on the gas a little bit more at least, and so it's a little bit of the same thing where I'll kind of believe it when I see it, not that I don't believe him, but I don't know it's kind of one thing to say in a press conference, even though it was a strong press conference, and it seemed like he kind of said almost the right things but no, it, I mean, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see, like, what actually happens.
0: It, it definitely – I got the sense that he made it sound like he – his voice wasn't as strong in major decisions kind of in the Coughlin years and probably even the Caldwell years. And I think when you look at them moves, that just kind of screams it, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. He, got, he got involved in Ramsey, but it kind of happened probably too late, I'd say. Uh, you know, in Gawkway, uh he ended up having to get traded because of, you know, Coughlin – and then all the other you know, Allen Robinson, uh, he didn't get extended because of Coughlin. So just all these moves and I I really think people criticize it for the wrong reasons. I'm still seeing people say like, Oh, Shot Khan is controlling the entire roster, he's handcuffing the GM. But I think people should instead criticize him for why are you having to step up your involvement in the first place? You know, what what why why were you so detached and kinda let like Letting these people run with full authority when they clearly were not doing a good job to begin with, I thought that was worse than uh, people kind of thinking he was becoming Jerry Jones. I read it more as okay, he's finally kind of becoming an NFL (laughs) owner, you know, like like a normal functioning one.
1: Yeah, it's not. He's becoming a general manager. He's becoming an owner. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think. Go ahead. No, you go. I was just gonna say one interesting part of like the story that is definitely going to be forgetful is Gardner Minshew just because I think yeah. that like the yeah. fact that he went six and six with an untalented roster in 2019, I think, I mean, I'm just kind of speculating here. This is pure speculation, but like, I think Con might've been like, all right, well we got a little bit of magic with Minshew here. And so like, maybe we can like kind of scrap our way a little bit. Cause I mean, Minshew just scrapped his way to wins. Like I think he might've surpassed at some point this season, but at one point in his career, he played like 20, games or started 20 games and hadn't reached 30 points in any of them which was kind of the problem with him in the whole place is that he kind of put a cap on the team with his conservativeness but we don't have to turn this into a whole garner thing but regardless i I just think that he kind of like gave the city hope and the fans hope and con a little bit of hope and so con was like all right maybe we can run with this but i mean obviously obviously it didn't work out
0: i'm very much of the belief that as that teams need to sell their fans on something you need to give them some reason to have hope some reason to tune in every Sunday and for the 2020 Jaguars at least for the offseason that that thing that they could sell was Gardner Minshew you know we've talked about it I don't think there was any downside like obviously the Gardner Minshew experiment failed but I don't think there was any downside to going through with it because what quarterback were they going to get last year that would long term be a better option than what they basically have right now you know like yeah Jameis is a better quarterback than Gardner but Jameis on this year's roster, they probably still stink. Like you know, it it doesn't fix anything, and (laughs) like like no, no, tell me I'm wrong. No,
1: no, you're completely right. I just like you said, Jameis Winston, and my mom, my mind just raced to him throwing an interception right to like a Tennessee defender. There you go. How funny that would have been.
0: Exactly. And I mean, for all the talk of you know, oh, they should have traded up for a quarterback. Well, sure, it would have been awesome. They could trade up for Justin Herbert, but. How do you know that teams are trying to move down? I mean, the Detroit Lions seemed adamant that they weren't moving down. Uh, The Giants took Andrew Thomas, and Dave Gettleman never trades down. Why would the Chargers and Dolphins move down when they're trying to take a quarterback? It's just they had no chance to get a franchise quarterback last year. So I, I thought there was no downside to Minshew, and I understand why they did it.
1: Yeah. And as we've said before, like, obviously he's not it, and Trevor Lawrence is. But I mean, it's still still a super strong return on investment as a sixth round pick, and he's under contract for another two years. Oh yeah. And so he's still a high end backup. So at least he got that. We're oh, the yeah. Jaguars are going to go from, may, probably the weakest quarterback room in the n- entire league to, pro- maybe top ten depending on how good Lawrence is in his rookie year. Oh, top wow. ten might be a stretch. Yeah. There's wow. some good quarterbacks. Go. I'd say t- above average.
0: I, I I think, I think top seventeen.
1: Okay, yeah, there you
0: go. Call that? Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we're more, we're more or less in lockstep there. I mean, I I. I don't even think there's even any intrigue with the number one pick. You know, I, I don't even think – I think anybody who's talking about, oh, could they take Justin Fields? Even if they hire Urban Meyer, I think you're just wasting your breath. I cannot see the Jaguars having the number one pick and passing on a guy who's seen as a generational prospect, even if it's for non-football reasons, you know. I just I, – I, I'm – i I think you can put that in permanent marker, ink, tattoo it, whatever, that Trevor Lawrence will be the number one overall pick, pending him pulling an Eli or anything. But I, I seriously doubt that would happen.
1: Yeah. All right. John Shipley of Jagger Report encouraging all of the followers to get tattoos of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah.
0: Here. I've seen worse tattoos.
1: <laughs> there are uh, some bad tattoos yeah, out there.
0: I've seen, I've seen people – Get tattoos of like, like calling their team to the divisional champions at the beginning of the <laughs> year, and like, right, like that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure some Titan fan posted that like a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, that sounds yeah. familiar.
1: You, you the can, If you're gonna get a tattoo, you might as well just go on in and do Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, <laughs> divisional
1: I, tattoos so, I don't, so tough.
0: I don't know if I hate that more or less if it says Super Bowl because. It obviously means more in divisional, but then you look even dumber.
1: But I don't know. It's I don't,
0: I don't, don't know. I think it's funnier I though.
1: I think you look dumber if you put divisional and then they can't even win a division, let alone win a Super Bowl. I think that's way worse. If Dude, it's Super if you, Bowl, that, at least it's something to
0: laugh at. What if you put Super Bowl and they don't even win a division?
1: I mean, it's still bad. I've had I've had like multiple friends that would be like, "Oh, I'm definitely getting a Super Bowl or a tattoo when the Jags win a Super Bowl," and calling it out and stuff like that. There's so what, much talking about what, in Jags what Jags wage point seventeen
0: what wager can we engage into where the bottom line is you end up with a Trevor Lawrence tattoo?
1: <laughs> I mean, we have to for, come up with for, something
0: quick within the next four months. Let's workshop this. All uh, right. I, I can come up with something in the next four minutes.
1: Okay. I, I was going to say if Nathaniel Hackett or Todd Wash is the Jaguars head coach, because that would be pretty bad. All
0: right. If Nathaniel Hackett is the Jaguars head coach, you have to get a, green bay packer cheese head tattoo oh i'm
1: gonna have to talk to my mother about this first but all right we'll we'll, we'll workshop it we'll come You're back to like... it next week
0: <laughs> oh goodness I, I i won't make you do that guys i'll just get, get, just get a face tat of a number 16 that, that's no that'll do that'll do <laughs>
1: all right fine right uh, in the middle of my forehead or no i'll get a, a one on one cheek and a six on the other cheek
0: <laughs> it, it uh it struck me i even tweeted about it um watching the Heisman thing, like, every time they talked about Lawrence growing up, they talked about how much he idolized Peyton Manning. And that just makes it, like, so poetic that he's – if he turns around the Jaguars, he, like, he, he watched Peyton Manning stop the Jaguars for, like, his entire childhood. And now, yeah. you know, he's going to have a chance to fix a team that his hero and his idol kind of dominated.
1: It is crazy. I mean, we've talked about it before, but there's honestly so many, like, great storylines just right out of the gate because – the schedule that the Jaguars have next season. There's a ton of like young, exciting quarterbacks that could be primetime games. And then obviously you have Lawrence versus Watson who are two hopefully generational quarterbacks who both went to Clemson. And then the um, Derek Henry, 2000 yard rusher, which is just unbelievable. I mean, the fact that that happened in this era of like passing in the league is awesome. And then the Colts who don't really, I mean, their quarterback situation is just a little arky, but they probably have a top-five head coach-general manager pairing in the league, oh, yeah, and eventually sure. they're going to figure it out. So sure. it's, going be, it's going to be some nice division battles for a while.
0: I, I, I just think him against Watson is going to be entertaining, even though Deshaun Watson, if you're listening to this, get as far away from the Houston Texans as possible. Yes, please. I don't even hate their general manager hire. I just hate that they hired somebody that Jack used to buy his friends with. Yeah. I just, I I, 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 Jack used to be, I, I don't care. It doesn't matter if I get his name right. It, 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 it is just, it is just baffling how the Texans run their organization. So, and I, what you, what you mentioned with, you know, kind of the schedule for next year, uh, their, their opponents for next year are actually set, I'll go through them real quick. Uh, their home opponents are, of course, their three divisional opponents. And then they have the Buffalo Bills, uh, the Miami Dolphins, the Arizona Cardinals, the 49 Niners, and the Broncos at home. And then away they have their three divisional opponents, and then they're going to play at New England, uh, at the New York Jets, at the Rams, and number twenty, uh, at the Seahawks, <laughs> and then against old foe Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals. Why are old they foe. playing Zach Taylor? And every <laughs> yeah year that is weird. Senior? yeah, they played him played twenty nineteen too. It's because they keep both keep finishing at last.
1: Oh, wow. it's a little a little rivalry developing. I like it, but there was another storyline with the Bills of with. Dable going home, or I yeah. guess or the Bills are going to be at Jacksonville, you said, but there I mean, you go.
0: If the Jags hire him, how funny is it that the Bills are going to be like the Jaguars head coach
1: factory? Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> just between him and More that's true. Yeah, that is funny. Especially like the Bills. Like, they're obviously great the last two or three years are basically in the Sean McDermott era, but before that, I mean, wolf. Yeah. That's rough, so it's kind of yeah. funny. Yeah, but.
0: absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think there's some interesting games there. I mean, Just in terms of potential primetime games, I mean, Trevor versus Kyler uh, against Tua, uh, 49ers and Broncos does not look interesting at all, so ignore that. Um, uh, Against the Jets and probably, you know, Justin Fields, uh, against Ramsey, against uh, Russell Wilson, and then against Joe Burrow, pending uh, he's back on the field by then. I mean, they have an interesting schedule next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, you hear here first. Twelve of the Jaguars' sixteen games next season are going to be in prime time. After jokes
0: on, jokes, on you. They have seventeen games next year. Yeah, they, that's the what do you mean? When
1: they're implementing
0: the 17, 17 game schedule. Next oh year. my they, gosh,
1: I forgot about that. They just
0: haven't actually like done anything with it yet.
1: Yeah, I completely forgot that was a thing. I mean, the playoffs yeah. is going to be a little weird this year because I mean, more football is good football, I guess, but. It's a little odd just having one in each playoff.
0: Yeah, no, it, it is going to be weird. It's, I think I saw something, like somebody, I think it was Lee Sharp, did something where he kind of formulated Because the NFL put out the formula for how they're going to determine the 17th game, and I think the Jags will play the Falcons, I think. Interesting. Not really. Right. <laughs> just <laughs> no, pull that out
1: from nowhere. Yeah, no, uh, no. Jags, Falcons.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it is. and that. 17 games. Like, I had the same reaction. Like, I, when I wrote that their opponents have been set, somebody was like, what about the 17th opponent? And I was like, oh, dang, they are doing that, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> like, but, yeah, no, the NFL doesn't have it actually set up yet. I, I'm assuming we won't know that until they announce the schedules.
1: No, that's, that's another storyline. Now it's going to be Zach Wilson versus Trevor Lawrence, another rookie quarterback matchup. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, it, it's going to be some fun, some fun quarterback matchups. If they're not on primetime twice next year. I would be surprised because, I mean, the Bengals are yeah. on prime time twice this year. And- I was
1: going to say that. I feel like the Bengals are on primetime every week. Even with, Joe,
0: even with Joe Burrow. I mean, that's not an exciting team, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. But we shall see.
0: That we shall. That we shall. Well, Gus, do you have any uh, any hot takes to, to send us out?
1: Oh, man. I don't know. I didn't really think of any. Um, Pep Hamilton would be a great offense coordinator. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know. That was just I saw something about Pep on the timeline this morning, and I think he's been an underrated part of Justin Herbert's kind of progression or whatever you want to call it for the rookie season. Marvin
0: Lewis with coordinators Pep Hamilton and Wade Phillips.
1: <laughs> Why is everyone obsessed with Wade Phillips? He's like he can join that group of like Joe Brady and Daniel Jeremiah. I'm like, I'm, he's a great coach. Don't get me Wade wrong. Wade Phillips
0: and Joe Brady, many
1: similarities. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's like every fan's favorite. Combo or whatever you want to call it. everyone. Every fan seems to be like begging for Wade Phillips. I don't know where because Wade Phillips is begging for jobs on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's I, hilarious. I,
0: I like Wade Phillips. I think he's a really
1: good coach. Still, no, I agree. With his <laughs> AH, but.
0: No, I mean I, I understand, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I feel like that'd be a decent little staff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Pep definitely deserves an offense career position. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see where he goes. Definitely,
0: but. definitely. Well, uh. If, the, if if hire Pep Hamilton to be your offensive coordinator is your hottest take, then I I guess there really just are no hot takes on now. I was expecting something along the lines of Urban Meyer is going to spurn both the Chargers and the Jaguars to coach uh, in the, like, MLS or something. But I, I'll, I'll take <laughs> I Pep can't Hamilton. come up
1: with – like, <laughs> I don't know what it is you think of that comes with – you come up with these ideas, but no, I don't know. All
0: I, all I have is takes. All uh, takes <laughs> is what i am takes is yeah
1: takes some soprano quotes right
0: hey hey you started watching it you love it
1: yeah i just saw well i can't spoil it for anyone but yeah i'm about to be the show, season was, two.
0: The show is as old as i am
1: well i've never seen it. there's probably other people that haven't seen it so i was you, gonna say someone just uh, got whacked by their fiance so that was fun you'll have to text oh, so, me
0: so you finished season two
1: i'm on the last I'm on the finale of season two.
0: Okay, okay. You're on the finale of season two. Okay. But I think you know who it is. Yeah, no, you saw uh I'm trying to think of what's it called. Not Don't any... say his name. All right, all right, all right. You know what? For all the people who haven't seen Sopranos yet, just go ahead and watch it. I put Gus onto it uh, finally by fooling him on the TL, and it, yeah. it seems like he's enjoying it. So
1: Yeah, nearly won that one poll, the eight-minute poll.
0: Okay, well, football takes, Sopranos, I got it all for you guys. Uh, thanks again for listening to the Jaguar Report podcast. Gus and I greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me at underscore John underscore Shipley uh, and Jaguar Report at Jaguar Report or si.com slash NFL slash Jaguars. Gus, tell me where to find you.
1: I'm at Gus underscore Logue on Twitter. My hot take will be Trevor Lawrence. It goes to the Pro Bowl next season. I'll slip that in there.
0: Okay. okay. I'll take, I'll, no, no, that's a hot take. I'll take that hot take because I'm sure a rookie quarterback has made the Pro Bowl in some recent years. Just, I'm, do you have that off the top of your head or a rookie quarterback? In the files, now. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I, I can see it, a, though. That's a good hot take. That's, that's, now, a, that's, this is perfect that's a much cause better hot take.
1: Because we're in early January, so I can just kind of hide this hot take underneath all the other ones if it doesn't work uh, out. It's not going to be hiding.
0: I'm, I'm going to remember this one until, <laughs> until the day I die. <laughs> I, I remember I remember every take anybody <laughs> Just because I need to build like, it, like a bank of takes to use as ammo for when people call me on my own bad takes.
1: True. There you go. That's uh, good, that's, though.
0: It's, it's a take fortress, if you will. There you go. Thank you guys again uh, for listening, as always. And I hope you guys have a great one. And probably, Gus, like I said, next time we do a show, probably going to have a new head coach.
1: Fingers crossed. I'm excited.
0: All uh, right. Thank you.